Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, welcome to the show. Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm Nick Gieber. No Kartik Krishnaya today. He is <clears throat> busy doing Kartik Krishnarian things, uh, which I'm not sure what they are, but he's not here today. <clears throat> but don't worry. A big show for you today. Lots to talk about. Lots going on in the world of football, as always. The Carabao Cup in full effect, if you're interested in that. Of course, some big upsets always in these cup tournaments. And today, Tottenham Hotspur showed why they are just crap. Uh, We can talk about that. Plus, of course, here in the United States, professional soccer is a mafia racket, so to speak. And some of that mafia monopoly is being challenged in court. And I uh, have asked, and we will be joined shortly on this show, by my good friend, top football attorney, Mr. Bob Caldwell of Colossar and Latham, will be joining us to talk a little bit about the situation with the uh, NASL lawsuit, the relevant sports lawsuit, and while we're about it, there's a big lawsuit brewing in the UK between New Balance, I think believe it's New Balance, and Liverpool over their kit deal. We're going to get up to speed on all this great legal stuff with Bob Caldwell. Plus, let's talk a little Bundesliga as well uh, as probably one of the uh, most underappreciated leagues here in the United States, at least at least I think. All, all right, that's what we're going to talk about today. We'd love to hear from you. Find us on Twitter at Fist Street Sports, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fist Street Sports Talk. You can find me personally on Twitter if you want to see pictures of my dog or my cat. Well, you won't see pictures of my dog because I don't actually have one, but uh, you can see the cat. It's at Nick Gieber. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call in the studio, you can do that. It's 800-878-7529. That's 800-878-PLAY. By the way, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening, courtesy of the American Forces Network. We love chatting with you, and we do that daily, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Monday through Friday, right here on these networks. And if you're listening on one of our many digital platforms, whether that's iHeartRadio or TuneIn or the award-winning Sirius XM app. We welcome you to the show. Those are the topics on the table today. That's what we're going to talk about. When we come back after break, uh, we'll be joined by my good friend, Mr. Bob Caldwell from Colossar and Latham. Let's get into it right here, Fistory Soccer.
All right, welcome back for Street Soccer. Nick Gieber with you tonight. Kartik taking the night off, but don't worry, the show will and must go on. Joining me on the show, to, on our guest line, a very special guest, good friend of mine, top football lawyer, Bob Caldwell. Bob, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day and joining us here on Fifth Street Soccer. Nick, it's great to be back with you and uh, look forward to speaking with you about some legal issues in sports. Yeah, well, lots to get to. Before we get to the legal issues, Bob, uh, wow, did you see this Tottenham Hotspur result? Just going, going from bad to worse for Pochettino. Uh, what do you think? He's the next manager on the, uh, to get on the sack race? I would have to hope that uh, even in this day and age, getting your team to the uh, Champions League final might earn you at least a year's credit. Uh, you know, Tottenham, uh, they're going to turn it around. They've had a bad string of results, as, as have some other teams, and uh, you know, I'd even have to ask you to pronounce properly the name of the team they lost to tonight. But, uh, but that said, uh, I would hope that they would give them enough time to, uh, to rebound. It was just last year they had an amazing season. Well, they lost to Colchester, but, you know, it's not just the bad run of form in the Premier League this season, Bob. I mean, they had a bad run of form about the last 12, 12 games of the Premier League last season. If you remember, like, two-thirds of the way into the season, they were sitting very, very pretty in third place, almost looked like a, uh, a position that they could never get knocked off uh, in the league, but they did. They gave up all those points. They, they barely eked through, and quite frankly, um, you know, they've been a bit of a disaster. But, Nick, if you think back to it, this summer was the first transfer window and how long that they were actually able, or not able, but did purchase new players for their squad. And it does take some time for new players to gel within a team. And, uh, you know, look, Daniel Levy is, is known to be a, a stingy businessman and, and sitting with the, uh, the squad that he had for, I think, three consecutive transfer windows is always going to have its toll on a squad. Yeah, I actually think Bob that it's a bit more it's a bit different. I, I, look, that that's clearly an issue. But I think it's a bit more to do with the mental issue of making it to the Champions League final. And look, they were superb in the Champions League. No one can take that PSG result away from them ever. Um but you know, get to the final and lose and it's highly unlikely they're going to return to the Champions League final any time in the near future. Highly unlikely they're going to win a domestic title uh, over City, possibly Liverpool. Um, so you know you have to wonder after a while. You know what are these? What are they playing for? I was actually very surprised with this result in the Carabao Cup today, Bob, because I thought if there's one thing that Spurs were going to look for, it was some silverware, and and this was a great opportunity to do that. Well, Nick, I uh, I think you can ask Manchester United what the significance is of beating PSG last, uh, last uh, season is. Uh, United beat them, too, and they don't look like much of a squad this year either. So uh, I'm not sure that's the trophy we, we want to hang no. up on the mantle. But, no, true. you know, Tottenham is a, is a squad that, uh, that has been strong in the last few years. And, and let's not... And, and, and by the way, and, and, and I apologize, Bob... Leadership. I, I I did mean Ajax, obviously, but uh, you'll excuse me. I'm getting getting caught up in all the in all the excitement. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, that is so true. Yeah, it was the of course it was that a very exciting uh, um, semi final against Ajax uh, that they won. Uh, but the thing about it is, Bob, uh, you know, here's a team with a new stadium, 
uh, everything to look forward to ahead of them, and they just seem to be collapsing. I think Manchester United are uh, very much more of, uh, of a team in a classic rebuilding mode after a legendary manager leaves. It, it's not... It's so difficult to get that team back on track. Of course, we're not talking about Jose Mourinho. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, is, uh, it is very difficult to do that. Uh, Bob, we are going to talk today on the show today a fair amount about some of these lawsuits that are taking place in and around U.S. soccer. We're also going to touch on this uh, new development with Liverpool, and I believe it's New Balance who are suing to retain the kit deal they have with them. Uh, but before we get to all of that and, and really dive into the legal issues, I know one of your great passions are the Bundesliga. Tell me, a very early doors still in the Bundesliga, how are you seeing it? Oh, jawohl, let's talk some Bundesliga, Nick. Uh, yeah, you, you know me, I'm a, a Borussia Mönchengladbach guy at my core and uh, have had a long-standing relationship with the club. So uh, forgive me if I start out by trumpeting my own horn. We've, uh, we've won in consecutive derby matches against Fortuna Dusseldorf as well as uh, the, the hated first FC Cologne. So, uh, so I'm in a good mood as a Gladbach fan despite their horrible performance in the Europa League. Uh, it, if we look at the table, it's, uh, I wouldn't call it a huge surprise, but any time that Bayern isn't sitting in the, uh, in the first position, it's got to be at least some surprise. Yeah, and uh, as we sit here right now, Red Bull Leipzig is on top of the league, and so uh, that's a, could make for a very interesting year. Bayern has had a couple very early season slip-ups and and sits back in second, about two points behind, and then uh, there are one, two, three, four, or five, six teams then at uh, either five or six teams that are sitting back one point behind Bayern Munich, including Gladbach, including Dortmund. And, and a number of others, including Schalke. a resurgent Schalke. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, it, it's it's five five matches in. It's it's actually pretty tight. I mean, you mentioned Leipzig, of course, uh, running away with it a bit, uh, unbeaten, uh, as are Bayern Munich. But uh, you know, Schalke only one loss. Uh, your boys only one loss too. Same thing with uh, Borussia Dortmund and Freiburg. Uh, the Bundesliga is a very exciting league. Great football. Uh, and I just wonder, Bob, why it's the sort of redheaded stepchild of, of, of the European leagues here in the U.S. The only thing I can imagine, Nick, is it's a bit of a language barrier. It's a lot easier for a league to make inroads in the U.S. when its stars can be out in front and interviewing in a language that's understood. So that's why La Liga's always done really, really well, because we have an abundance of Spanish speakers in our country. That's why the English Premier League has done well, or one of many reasons that right. stars can, can you know, be on the, on the news and be on the post-game talking in English and being understood. If you want to look at pure soccer, the Bundesliga is about as exciting as it gets. And one of the things we've seen in the last, say, five years or so is all of this incredible young talent moving over to the Bundesliga from other leagues. Yep. I mean, we can look at Pulisic and, and, and his rise at Dortmund. We can look at Josh Sargent. But then we also look at some English stars like uh, Jaden Sancho right. uh, and, uh, and a number of others that are now coming over and playing at any number of the German clubs. Uh, Gladbach's team, for example, has something like five guys from France, um, you know, they're just, it's a multicultural league now. And so you've got all this young talent saying, hey, 
the big English clubs, the big Spanish clubs, they're not really playing youth, so forget it. I'm out of here. Yeah. And, and they're going to these up-and-coming German clubs that have committed to playing youth as part of their, their strategy and playing some really exciting soccer. Well, Bob, I have to thank you because I think actually you just gave me a genius business idea. Five guys from France. That sounds like a sort of very high-end French hamburger chain, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Nearly so, and, and I will say, five, five Guys is actually in Germany now, and all oh, my it friends is. over there are, are, are traveling uh, an hour and a half to go get a burger and some fries. Uh, well, there you got it. Um, very briefly, Bob, uh, Christian Pulisic moves from uh, Borussia Dortmund to Chelsea. Uh, you know, one of the things that strikes me, and maybe we can pick this up briefly on the other side of the break, is the is this a very narrow-minded view of so many fans of uh, U.S. soccer and of the U.S. national team? I mean, there's a, a, a lot of vitriol directed at Frank Lampard because he hasn't given, been giving Pulisic the sort of uh, the time that I think they they would like him to have. But I mean, there's really this is a kid. He's what 21, 22 years old. New manager, new club, new league. I mean, the, the guy needs the guy's got talent. You know, let him bet in. Bob, you want to chat, pick up, pick this up on the other side of the break? Because I think we need to talk about this. We'll do that. All right. Uh, Fist Free Soccer, Nick Eber, chatting with Bob Caldwell. We're going to get into a bit of the law around the game. But when we come back, let's talk Christian Pulisic for just a little bit. We'll be right back after this. All right. Good segment. You're clear. Imagine this is you. All right, this will be a goodie if you can nail it all the way. All right, so welcome back. Nick Eber with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Sports. Uh, I have on the guest line... Mr. Bob Caldwell of Collisar and Latham, a top soccer attorney here in the United States. Uh, Bob, thanks for staying with us. Let's talk a little about Christian Pulisic. Before the break, I was mentioning that there seems to be a real impatience amongst uh, U.S. men's national team fans as they sort of wait. And it's not just the fans. I mean, NBC are as guilty of this as anybody else. They're building an enormous amount of hype an expectation that's being hung around the rather narrow shoulders of one 21-year-old. It seems to me uh, that we are setting him up to fail rather than backing off him and let him develop. How do you see it? Well, I think it's unfortunate. Obviously, everybody wants to see Pulisic play at a, at a big English club. He made the move from Dortmund, which was a club that could probably not be better custom-made for his style and his development, and he comes into London and to the big city and, uh, and largely is sitting on the bench. Um, yeah, so I mean, I understand why people are a little bit frustrated, but let's put him on an apples-to-apples comparison with other players. If we look a year before, we had, you know, players like Fred coming over from the Russian League, who, you know, was a, by all accounts a pretty doggone pl- good player. And, uh, and Mourinho sat him and sat him and sat him until you know, much later in the season. That's happened with a lot of other players that have come over from other leagues 
where it's, it's been well known that it takes a little bit of time to adjust to the style of play and physicality of the league. Pulisic's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the most muscular guy in the world. Uh, and despite the recent tattoos, he's not the toughest guy in the world either. So right. it's going to take him a little bit of time to, to get used to the bumps and bruises of, of English soccer. So, um, you know, I'm not too worried about it, but it is a little bit disheartening when you when you t- tune in to watch a, a match that, you know, he's played in the first four at least to, to some degree, and he's sat the last two, and he, and he, and he sat their European match. That, that is disappointing. But I do think that as the, the season goes on, let's, let's remember that Chelsea did have that transfer ban over the summer. Yeah. That's why they largely brought back a lot of their loan kids. Uh, they were fortunate that Pulisic had actually been signed back in January. And uh, they don't have a ton of options. They do have an abundance of midfielders. Uh, that's probably working against him. But they can't necessarily you know, go out and find other people this past summer and they're going to have to rely on him as part of their squad to get through the yeah. season. So there will be opportunities, and uh, he just needs to seize those opportunities when he's given them, and I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I agree with you, Bob. And, and you know, I, it actually annoys me a bit because uh, I, I just uh, – one side of me hopes that he's he, he's not hearing a lot of this – sort of buzz and, and static coming from this side of the Atlantic because yeah, he's a kid. He had a rough last year at, at, at Dortmund. I mean, he, he ended up being sort of resigned to the bench for much of the latter part or the, the second half of the season. Uh, and I know that was disappointing to him. And, and it's a new league in, in, he's in now with a new manager and a very young club with lots of young players. And, um, you know, as fans of the game and as fans who are desirous to see uh, the U.S. men's national team do something other than suck, uh, there's certainly a few players that have the ability to do that, and this young man is certainly one of them. But but back off, give everything time. You've got to give Greg Berhalter time, you've got to give the men's national team time, and you've got to give uh, Pulisic time. Uh, at least that's my take on it, Bob. But uh, let's let's get on to some of these other issues. Um, you know, we're talking about some of these lawsuits that are percolating around there. I mean, I can't ever remember a national association like U.S. soccer uh, being involved in quite so much litigation and being the the defendant of, of so many lawsuits, Bob. I mean, is this just a result, you think, of uh, the sort of growth of the game and the, and the influx of more opportunity than ever in the game, such as, so much so that the sort of the old system, the old guard, which has been very entrenched in the game and, and for many decades was uh, really responsible for the game existing. Uh, but now there's a lot more people that want to put their hands in the pot. And so the light is being shined on some of the old ways of doing things that may not be uh, quite so uh, appropriate. Or am I seeing this the wrong way? Nick, I can compare it to other kinds of litigation that you see in, and we see very different types of cases filed in a good economy versus a bad economy, just generally in the U.S. Mm. Um, when the, uh, y- y- let's look at it from a standpoint of a, of a house. If, uh, if somebody agrees to buy a house when it's at a market value of 100000 and they cancel the purchase contract, where they go next kind of depends on what happened to the value of that house. If the value of the house is now 200000 you got something to fight about. 
if the value of the house is down at 50000 people tend to look at that and say, no, we've kind of lost it, let's move away. Yeah. So with soccer, what we've seen is, is really a bull market here. And uh, you can look at the growth in teams' legal departments or national federations' legal departments just to get a feel for what happens when you have all of this money flowing into soccer from uh, especially broadcast rights deals and things of that nature. So um, what might uh, I, I would venture to guess that 10 years ago there were a number of Premier League teams that didn't have a general counsel but went from time to time out to a firm and hired them. And now the big clubs have you know legal departments of several lawyers. They, they look like small law firms. Right. And, and that's what we're seeing, too, in terms of litigation. The more money is at stake, the more there is to fight about. So if we look at, for example, the suit that was filed this month by relevant sports against U.S. soccer, it has to do with sanctioning regular season uh, club soccer matches in the U.S. So it's, we're not talking about the ICC that comes in over the summer. That goes under a different rule. We're only looking at the idea of playing a regular season match in the U.S. And so there's enough money now, or at least perceived to be enough money, that if two teams from uh, Ecuador, for example, want to fight over having a, uh, a match in Miami, if the profits were expected to be high enough, then suddenly you've got something we're fighting about. So if we look at this relevant suit, it was filed this week, and it, and it alleges that U.S. soccer has violated federal antitrust law by refusing to sanction or making it difficult to sanction some of these regular season matches. When this first came up, you may remember that there was an idea about Barcelona playing uh, a, a La Liga match in Miami back, I believe it was in January or February. Correct. And that ended up getting mixed because FIFA didn't like it, U.S. Soccer didn't like it. And La Liga uh, didn't actually, like it. Actually, the Spanish Federation didn't like it, and the Players Association didn't like it. The only ones who were really pushing it was La Liga itself and their president, who's um, a relatively aggressive guy in terms of trying to market the league yeah. across the world. So that was early in the year, and then there was a second effort. Maybe the idea was... Barcelona from uh, Spain is a little bit high profile. Maybe we can sneak in a smaller match. And so there was the idea uh, to play on May 5th in Miami, a match between two Ecuadorian clubs, uh, Barcelona Sporting Club, interestingly enough, <laughs> uh, and, and one of its uh, hometown rivals were going to be played at Hard Rock Stadium. And Relevant says that they presented that match to U.S. soccer and that it was rejected. And it was rejected slowly, and so it kind, of, uh, it kind of died by expiration. And what they're saying is, hey, we organized this match. We had a contract with the stadium. We had a contract with the teams. And you've interfered with our contract without just grounds. And by doing so, they've, they've alleged that, uh, that U.S. soccer has um, a working arrangement with uh, Soccer United Marketing and that they have... Uh, the interest in keeping other club matches out of the United States to the detriment of competition. And so that's, uh, that's the gist of what the suit is. Uh, relevant and groups like it are going to want to sanction matches here and say you shouldn't be able to, or maybe the law doesn't allow you to erect these kind of legal barriers to prevent us from competing and having a match that competes directly with MLS during a, a regular season. 
Yeah, particularly when you one could have two Canadian Major League Soccer teams playing within the United States Division One Soccer League, right? Absolutely, and that's probably, though, not a real good place to start because that takes us down a whole different rabbit hole. But, you know, <laughs> this, this started back in 2008 when the, uh, the Premier League actually had, had proposed having match number 39 I remember that. in the United States. And uh, the, the kickback or the, the, the brushback from FIFA and from UEFA was so strong that the Premier League decided to can the idea, and now uh, it's being uh, renewed. Now, look, they make lots of money holding games in England and in Spain. And so this is an idea about trying to grow the game in the U.S., much like the U.S. leagues do overseas. If we look at the NFL, what do they do? Yeah, they go play to London. a game in London. Yeah. If we look at the NHL, what do they do? Uh, they play some preseason games in Sweden and in, and in Austria and different places. Baseball wants to go down to Mexico City. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting to see a situation where we kind of have – uh, sports superiority for most of our leagues around the world they're considered to be the top league and, and, and soccer isn't so it's now interesting to see that all these leagues are coming to the u.s saying your quality isn't so good why don't you want to come see some good games all right uh we're talking uh some of the swirling lawsuits surrounding u.s soccer i'm chatting with bob caldwell uh, we do have to step aside, take a break. When we come back, let's continue the discussion. I mean, there are so many lawsuits going on. We could probably talk about this for a week, uh, but uh, we do have uh, one more segment left to chat. So let's pick it up on the other side of the break. Fist Street Soccer. Be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick Gieber with you. No Kartik today. He's uh, busy doing other things. But I am joined on the guest line by Bob Caldwell, and we are talking about some of these lawsuits uh, swirling around U.S. soccer. Uh, Bob, before the break, we were talking about uh, this relevant sports uh, suit alleging that U.S. soccer... Uh, being in cahoots with Soccer United Marketing is essentially uh, locking them out of the marketplace to, uh, in order to benefit Soccer United Marketing, thereby MLS, who owns Soccer United Marketing. Uh, Bob, I mean, you know, where are these? Where is this lawsuit, and uh, does Relevant have a hope of of succeeding in this one? Do you think? Well, this one's brand new. It was it was just filed this month, and so you know, we won't even have an answer from U.S. Soccer until. Uh, a few weeks from now, most likely, and and then we're going to start seeing um, how clear the defenses are to the lawsuit. But there were there was a prior lawsuit that was filed earlier this year in uh, New York State Court. This new one's in federal court, and mm. the one before was basically arguing that U.S. Soccer was acting arbitrarily uh, and making essentially uninformed and bad decisions when it came to sanctioning. Whereas this one, the new one is, uh, by the way, that old one was dismissed voluntarily to allow that all to be rolled up um, in, the, in the federal case. And look, Relevant has some interesting arguments here. Um, some of them overlap uh, with the NASL's lawsuit against U.S. soccer, which is not a big surprise because both parties have the same uh, plaintiff's lawyer, Jeff Kessler. Mm -hmm. And um, 
one of the arguments that I think is very interesting is that the reason why U.S. soccer has a mandate to govern soccer in, in this country, they argue, is from the, uh, the, the case that had a lot of uh, things to do with sports betting recently, and that is the Ted Stevens Act. And that act basically says we're going to recognize certain sports federations as we're going to give them a, a monopoly in governing the sport as to Olympic sports, amateur sports. And it's unclear whether there is a, an extension of that to professional sports. So one of the arguments relevance made that for me is very interesting is can U.S. soccer even govern professional sports? Huh. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and so, we'll so Bob, to, to interrupt you a second, uh, that, that act yeah. that you're talking about, that's the act uh, which allows essentially the NCAA to maintain uh, basically a monopoly over uh, college sports, and that's one of the reasons I'm assuming then why the NCAA is so absolutely paranoid about anything that might make its athletes or its sports look professional. Is that correct? Well, you know from our offline conversation that I'm, uh, I'm not real happy with the NCAA today as we sit here, so let's not get too far into that. But, but there's a question, at least it's been raised, it's a, it's a legitimate question about how far does the U.S. law's recognition yeah. over U.S. Soccer Federation extend. Uh, U.S. Soccer says, well, you know, in addition to that, though, we fall under FIFA, and all of these teams that we're discussing – all of these leagues that we're discussing also fall within FIFA, and under FIFA statutes, we're the ones that have to license games on our soil. So U.S. soccer has a much better argument than just what, uh, what happened to be in the Ted Stevens Act. They're saying that right. under FIFA, which is the governing body from all of these two things. One, um, that these issues should be arbitrated or that they should be handled in soccer courts, so to speak. Uh, and second of all, that we have a role to play that's governed not by the Ted Stevens Act, but by FIFA. And hmm. so that's something that they claim to have as an additional power, and, and, and they do have that power under FIFA. So um, where that conflicts with U.S. law and antitrust law, I guess that's what this case is all about. And that, uh, that I think, Bob, is, is a large portion of what the NAS, NASL case is as well. I mean, that's an, uh, they're trying to br build, bring a case against uh, U.S. soccer f for s refusing to sanction them as Division Two, saying that the sanctioning process is, has been designed to eliminate competition. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, somebody actually explained that case to me in a way I thought was really interesting. And, and super simplifies it. But in essence, would it be the purview of the U.S. Uh, uh, Food and Drug Administration to say, Coke is America's number one soft drink, Pepsi's number two, and RC's number three. Mm. If, if you put it in that context, yeah. people would be up in arms and say, what, what, uh, why, why is a government or a like government entity telling us which one is the best, especially if we're not able to compete in the market and show who's better? Right. But if we look back at, uh, at that particular suit, it's difficult because not only are you asking for structural changes, but you're asking for money damages. And you generally have to prove damages, uh, aside from some nominal damages for the fact that there may have been a monopolistic action, you have to prove money damages. How were you damaged? In essence, can you show by expert testimony where NASL would have been 
if U.S. soccer would have kept them as a Division II league. And that's a problem because the NASL lost a number of its teams. They lost Minnesota to MLS. They lost a couple teams to the USL. Um, and it's going to be a little bit difficult, I think, for the you know, for the two remaining teams, Miami and the New York Cosmos, to be able to show that that this would have all existed and been great had this not been a, a sanctioning change. And, and that's going to be an uphill thing. I do want to talk briefly, though, about this, this new case. Um, new Balance has apparently sued Liverpool in the high court in, in England over the kit deal. As, as you may have heard, yeah. Nike entered into an agreement with uh, Liverpool at 70 million pounds a season, which is 25 million pounds per season on top of what uh, New Balance has been paying them. And, and what New Balance is saying is, hey, hey we, we have a, an agreement that says that when this one's coming to an end, you have to give us a chance to match any other deals that you get before you can sign those deals. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It sounds like the two parties are a little bit what we would call frenemies. They, mm-hmm. they may be on opposite sides of the case. They're trying to, to have a decision on this contract done really quickly by the high court. and they, It doesn't seem like they're yet uh, boxing each other too much in the press. But um, what New Balance says is we said we were going to match Nike's offer. And what Liverpool's saying is, that's too bad. Even though you may have matched it on a dollar-for-dollar basis, they may have offered $70 million a season, you can't give us what Nike can give us. We want to be in Nike shops and in, and in stores worldwide, and, uh, and we can't do that with New Balance. You just don't have their distribution that mm-hmm. Nike has. So I don't have a copy of the contract in front of me, but these kind of provisions are very normal and usual both in, in terms of what club deals are with apparel companies as well as what athletes' deals look like. There's almost always a match opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it'll be really interesting to see how this one plays out and whether the court agrees that Nike can provide things that New Balance just can't. That's actually really interesting because, I mean, if you remember when the kit deal was done with Manchester United, uh, the sponsorship deal with Chevrolet, you remember that? That was supposedly the biggest sponsorship deal. Uh, and in fact, the, the chief marketing officer of Chevrolet got, got fired as a result of that because uh, they felt they weren't getting value. Um, it, it is interesting, you know, that there is such – that a company like New Balance, which really isn't – a massive global brand like Nike would want to play in that playing field rather than be uh, maybe a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Don't you think that's a, that's kind of an unusual um, that they'd that they'd match seventy million a year? It's a massive number, and I'm sure for a company like New Balance, the uh, the prior sum was a massive amount, too. Mm. But when you look at it, if you've made a business decision that you want to be in football, then you've got to be seen, and you need to go out and get athletes to endorse your boots, and you need to get uh, clubs that are in a high-profile position to wear your kits, or you're really not able to convince normal people that you can compete with the big boys. And we see that, too, in, like, stadium naming rights. Yeah. The Las Vegas Stadium for the Raiders just now was uh, that sponsorship was bought up by Allegiant Airlines, and, right? And people said, "Well, that's not a huge airline; it's kind of a community airline." 
why isn't this you know United or Delta or somebody huge that's global? But the truth of the matter is, every time there's an NFL broadcast involving the Raiders starting next year, you're going to hear the name Allegiant 20 times during that broadcast. Well, I have to, I you're have going to, to see pictures. Of it. Yeah, but I have to tell you this, Bob. I mean, what, do you know the value of that uh, deal? I do, but I can't talk about it. Oh, it's not public. It's not public, no. Okay, well, I tell you what, Allegiant needs to take that money and put it into keeping their planes flying because they have a horrible reputation for poor maintenance. There was a whole thing on 60 Minutes a, a couple of year, a year or two ago about this. I mean, it, it is really um, an after-flying frontier, Bob. <laughs> I know you read my tweet. I think all these teams, all these airlines should keep their money and put it into putting an extra row of padding into all the seats in, the, in, in every airplane they have. What do you think, Bob? Nick, I think, and, and I'm pretty sure of this, that there's no chance of you getting a, uh, a sponsorship deal for Allegiant or Frontier in the near future. Uh, well, Frontier are on my crap list, quite frankly, um, after bumping my seat on my flight from Atlanta. And I tell you what, that seat on Frontier was a little like sitting on, I mean, I'd rather be waterboarded for four and a half hours, I think. Really, it was that bad. Well, that's how I feel when I watch Manchester United. Season, <laughs> so, you know how you feel. Uh, you know, for me, there's a certain joy in watching Manchester United. Uh, I, you know, I, I am so mixed when I watch Manchester United because I hate them, as you know, Bob. But, but you know, I, I watch them and I just remember, I mean, I've seen Liverpool during our glory eras and, and then through the down years and, uh, you know, really suffered the, 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 the cycles of success and failure. And, you know, so many of these new Man United fans, and when I say new, I mean, you know, since the uh, new millennium uh, has come into place, um, you know, are just in, in shock because this team that, that they think is sort of always wins now now isn't. But this team's just awful, Bob. I mean, Man United, this is a team that just needs a complete redo. It's not a manager issue. It's the squad's just not good enough. Oh, man, we, we could get into that, but, but then I'm just going to be crying on your phone, and that's not a good look on anybody. No, it's not. I know, and it's near and dear to your heart, but not as near, of it, uh, near and dear as your uh, beloved Borussia Mönchengladbach, though, Bob. Well, Nick, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk legal issues and Bundesliga issues. When we talk uh, in the near future, though, I think it would be great to talk about how some of the young Americans are doing over in the in the in the Bundesliga, and I'd love to give you an update on that. And uh, love to hear it. And also, man, we could do we could do a, a, an episode or two just on the NCAA and how it's really killing the opportunities for for kids to progress in soccer in the U.S. Yeah, well, we certainly could do that. And the NCAA is an organization, Bob, that I've been highly critical of uh, for most of my broadcasting career. It's always struck me as one of these hyper-hypocritical organizations that will take a billion dollars from TNT for its basketball tournament, but, you know, won't let its athletes uh, even earn $50 for an autograph or get a free haircut. I mean, the level of hypocrisy is, is just, it's rank. All right, Bob Caldwell from Colossar and Latham. Always a pleasure, Bob. Uh, have you back on sh uh, soon uh, and uh, look forward to it. Thanks, Nick. All right. Uh, when I come back after the break, we're going to wrap it up here on Fifth Street Soccer. Don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back. 
I'd like to thank Bob Caldwell for coming on uh, for the hour and talking about uh, football and legal issues around football. Uh, you know, we are in a formative uh, era here of football in the United States. I mean, it's obviously been around for an awfully long time, but the uh, the advent of uh, the, the Premier League's popularity and uh, the popularity of the World Cup and, and the growth of the game here, the success uh, in terms of uh, longevity and staying power of Major League Soccer has completely changed the landscape over the last 25 years uh, of the game here in the United States. And and I think the organizations and structures that trail and the, the business methodology uh, by which the game has been run here uh, prior to this uh, incredible growth uh, is now uh, a set of shackles, really, and it needs to come off so that the sport can move forward uh, in a new structure, with a new method, with a new outlook, and hopefully uh, with some new competition. Because uh, uh, if you're looking for Major League Soccer to provide you with uh, the highest level soccer in, uh, that you could possibly see, and it's here in your backyard, I'm afraid you're going to be uh, sadly mistaken. It's not going to do that. Uh, that is certainly a topic for another day, and we will have Bob Caldwell on uh, again to talk about it. Um, just a reminder, if you follow the Premier League or the European leagues and you uh, would love to get our take on this show about the weekend's actions, every Friday we do a really big Premier League preview show on this sh uh, uh, on this program. Uh, Kartik and I sort of break down all the matches in detail. Other than that, we're with you Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Dan Patrick Sports, Sirius XM 211, uh, bring you the best of the beautiful game. And you can, if you've missed any part of this show or any of our shows and would like to catch up on them, uh, we are also uh, carried on the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V dot uh, com, the Believe Podcast Network. You can find uh, this show will be up there within minutes of its completion, and you can find a complete library of all of our shows up till now. All right, well, it's been an awful lot of fun bringing you uh, this show. We do enjoy it. I enjoy it, and uh, certainly hope uh, that you will Make me and us a regular part of your week. Until next time, have a great night. Enjoy the football. Hi, this is Ron Barr. If you like insightful, interesting sports talk and interviews with the biggest names in sports, then join us for Sports Byline USA, coming up next on the Worldwide Sports Byline USA Network. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.